0: Hello this is Bad Vibes. Before this video starts, I want to give a trigger warning. This video contains a lot of subjects and description like abuse, suicide, and other things along that nature. So if those are some of your triggers, I would say you probably shouldn't watch this. So I'll just throw this one out there. In the early 2000s, when I was four or five, my parents had just gotten a divorce and my mom started dating this guy. Anyway, my mom started seeing this guy, and he would come to our house regularly. Things didn't seem bad at first, but he drank daily. This wasn't something I understood yet at my age. Let's skip to the bad stuff. So this guy wasn't too bad to my sister, who was two or three at the time, but he took some sadistic interest in hurting me. He arrived at our house almost every day, and the first thing he would do was take off his belt and start beating me with it. This had gotten to the point where I would hide if I knew he was coming. As for why my mother didn't leave him, he threatened to kill us if she did. Now this one incident that's burning to my memory. On a random day, he had found this nice little cardboard box. He picked me up and shoved me inside said box and sat on top of it. My mom was doing the dishes so I assumed she couldn't hear me screaming for her as I peered out the box's handle holes at her back. Before he covered the holes with his hands, I screamed a good few minutes as his asshole just laughed about torturing me. The only reason why he got off the box was I had a small screwdriver in my back pocket that I used to stab him in his ass. This got him to fly off the box and pissed him off because he wasn't having fun anymore. He picked me up again and carried me off to my room where he proceeded to beat me with his bow. Then he left me in my room after taking my lamp and locking my door. I was afraid of the dark, so I cried and screamed some more. I kept crying until he finally left and my mother came in and opened my door. The random beatings would go on until he eventually got into some trouble and ended up in jail. Sometimes I think maybe my mother called the police on him. He called my mom from jail and told her that if she found anyone else, that he would kill her, me, and my younger sister. We ended up moving three cities over and as far as I know, my mom never heard from him again. This asshole is almost single-handedly responsible for several of my long-term phobias, and as an adult now, I'll kick his ass if I ever saw him again. So psycho asshole, for my sake and yours, let's never meet again. This started a little over two years ago, when I dated my ex. We'll call him John. He was abusive and cheated. I had issues at home, so I had to stay with him. It was an on and off relationship for three months. I broke up with him and moved on. I started dating my friend at the time, let's say Billy, still together to this day. But John didn't move on. He harassed me, my boyfriend, my friends and family for weeks. He called, texted, and even showed up to our apartment he went as far to have his mom message me on Instagram. I got a harassment restraining order filed against him. Three days after John received the restraining order, he called me and proceeded to show up at my job. It took two weeks for the police to gather the restraining order paperwork before arresting him. He eventually went to court and pled guilty. For the next year and a half, he continued to message my Billy and my friends and occasionally talked about me. Then out of nowhere, he followed my boyfriend and I into a goodwill. I called the cops and after a couple weeks, there's now a warrant out for his arrest. My neighbor has seen him a few times outside of our apartment complex. He also messaged someone I know and tried to convince him to ask me to join a 3 with him. When he was called out, he claimed that it was a fake account. I am terrified to leave my apartment or go online. He won't leave me alone, even with the restraining order, and he also has a boyfriend. My ex, JJ, was a creep. I was with him for 19 months. This happened around two months into the relationship, as he was just starting to get controlling, and it terrified me. It was around 2am, and I was in bed. I have super bad insomnia, so I was listening to YouTube and scrolling through Reddit, not expecting to sleep for at least a couple hours, when I heard a tap on my window. I assumed it was my cat, so I called her name, because she always meowed when she heard her name. It was silent, and then tap, tap, tap. I turned my YouTube down, and called out my cat's name again. I heard a meow in the bathroom, and panicked. It wasn't her outside my window. So, outside my window is the roof of the extension that was built. It slopes up to my window, so it can easily be climbed onto via my neighbor's woodshed. At this point, I knew someone was out there, but I was too scared to look. I sent JJ a message about it, but he was asleep, so it sent, but it didn't deliver. The tapping kept happening. Roughly every 20 seconds, there would be a tap, 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 and then the silence. It continued for about forty-five minutes while I laid in bed just listening. I felt like I was stuck in bed, like if I came out from under the quilt, then they would somehow get me. After about an hour, I realized it stopped completely. I pulled myself out of my bed and went into my kitchen. From there, I could see the roof. I saw a pair of legs dangling over the edge, illuminated by a torch. I decided to give up with my room, and I slept on the sofa with my cat that night. At least whoever it was wouldn't know where I was. Next thing I know, I'm waking up to my alarm. I go to turn it off, and I notice I have a Snapchat from JJ, which is odd, but not unheard of. They're from around 3.30 in the morning, so probably just after I fell asleep. I open the snaps, and my stomach dropped. It was a photo of my bedroom window from the outside, then one of legs dangling in my garden, and then one of me sleeping on the sofa taking through the kitchen window. I messaged him asking him what the fuck he was doing. I got a reply saying that he came to my house to check on me and chase a guy off from my house. At that point, he had me convinced he could do no wrong and if I opposed him, I was scared about what might happen. So I just left it at that. From then on, it happened a couple more times, and every time I would just try to ignore it. But with the joy of hindsight, I know I shouldn't have. I should have told someone and broken up with him, but I was too scared of what he might do. I have a lot of stories about JJ. I might write some more. I've been considering putting it into a book somewhere, but I'm not sure. My ex and I broke up about a year ago and it got very messy. I was receiving DMs, texts, and Snapchats from what seemed like everyone from her hometown. I got everything from calling me names to death threats. I ended up having to block 10 people from three different sources of social media, but that's besides the point. The worst threat I received was from her recent ex. Oh, you hurt my girl? It's over for you. I know what town you live in, I will find you and when I do, your parents won't even be able to recognize your body." He also sent me several others explaining the ways he would torture me. I just ended up blocking him along with everyone else and moved on with my life. Well, today, getting close to our one year of breaking up, my ex and I have started talking again and are on okay terms and everything seemed fine. I go about my day and walk over to this popular deli to grab a bite to eat and I end up passing a friend of mine along the way. They shout out my name across the street and I head over. We talk for a bit and split ways and I head over to the deli. This is when I was approached by three taller guys. My fucking stomach hit the ground when I saw the guy's face. It was the ex-boyfriend. I knew instantly from having to stare at his profile picture and he brought friends to find me. He quickly grabbed my shoulder and tightly looked me in the eyes. I stared back into his, and they seemed full of rage, and instantly, I finally found you, he said in probably the most calm voice, as he continued to whisper, You know what I have to do to you now. I'm a man of my word. Every inch of my goddamn body began to crawl. Fight or flight was kicking in, and time felt slow-mo. My brain was running a million miles per hour. 3 verse 1 okay, this isn't good, but they can't just kill me in broad daylight. Do they have a car? Oh god, are they going to kidnap me first? I started to look around for an exit. He then tightened his grip and said, nobody's going to save you. This is when I booked it, full pedal to the metal. I knocked his grip off of me and watched the three guys try to grab me, but I was already gone. I ran as fast as I could. Thankfully, I know this area pretty well, so I took off towards the direction of my friend's apartment. They chased, and after screaming full blown battle cries, I turned the corner, and by the luck of God, someone was exiting my friend's apartment building, which had a lock from the outside gate. I dashed in and slammed the gate behind me. I watched for about five minutes as they searched the nearby area for me, checking behind dumpsters. These guys were serious. I feel lucky to even be telling this event right now. This is one crazy motherfucker I hope to never meet again. So I matched with this girl on Tinder, named Jenna. Jenna and I went on our first date on January 26th. She knew I was out of a long-term relationship and still maintained occasional contact with my ex, Mary. Jenna and I officially started calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend around mid-February. Three days ago, while I was in a shower, she goes through my phone and reads old messages between Mary and I, a few casual ones, and a few very affectionate ones, before Jenna and I started seeing each other or even met. Jenna packs all her things and is heading out the door when I get out of the shower with my phone. She texts a bunch of people saying things like, I'm an asshole, and Mary is a manipulative bitch. She hacks into my Facebook and makes a post calling Mary a whole slew of names and blocks several of my friends. She does the same thing with Twitter. I get a hold of a coworker's phone and use it to try to contact her and sign back into my Facebook. Once she realizes I did, she changed my password and my email passwords as well. Eventually, she tells me she wants to talk this out And we meet at my place. I play along so I can get my phone and passwords back. She gives me my phone and makes me call Mary, telling her that I'm cutting her out of my life. I got a hold of Mary earlier and warned her that something like this might happen. We both have a background in theater, so we had a very convincing argument over speakerphone so Jenna could hear. Jenna gives me my passwords and I immediately change them. I tell her that she should leave and she doesn't understand why I want her out of my life. She goes home very upset about me breaking up with her over this. Jenna starts posting and commenting on Facebook and I block her. I block her on everything and she begins calling me over and over, not saying anything when I answer the phone. I block her number. I start receiving the same calls over and over again from a number in Colorado. I live in Canada. Eventually I go to my phone provider and change my number. I also change the locks on my door, in case she took a key. Next day, she makes a Facebook post calling me a piece of shit and she hacks into my alt Twitter account. I tell her she calls me one more time or posts one more thing about anyone I know, I'm calling the police. So then I get an email that my application for a credit card with a bank I do not use has been approved I call the bank and tell them what's happening, and they froze the account. Several friends told me to call the police, and I finally realized enough is enough. The police come and tell me that she has some sort of file with them, and that her name isn't Jenna, it's something completely different. They issued a warning of harassment, and if she tries to contact me again, I call the police and she'll get arrested. On Monday, I have to call the fraud people and get my accounts frozen and investigated and stuff. I realize this is a lot, but this is actually a pretty bare-bones version of the story. Basically, the reason I'm posting this is now that the police got involved and I've had my locks changed and my number changed, I'm starting to feel emotionally damaged of being abused and harassed by someone I was actually starting to care about and I don't know how to deal with it. It's hard to pinpoint when this occurred, but every time I think it's finally over, I'm reminded it's not. Tate was my first ever boyfriend. This story is supposed to focus on things he did after we broke up, so I'll quickly gloss over what happened during our relationship. And yeah, I was really stupid back then, so brace yourself for cringe. Also, prepare for a lot of cursing. This is going to be a long and angry one. We started dating shortly before my 15th birthday. The whole relationship was a mess. He convinced me to steal money from my grandmother and run away with him. He cheated on me multiple times, got me pregnant, birth control failed, and dumped me for another girl, only to come crawling back to me after he coerced me into having an abortion. He also lied a lot, like a lot, but of course I forgave him over and over again. The whole ordeal lasted 21 months before I finally had it and ended it once and for all. He frequently called me, sometimes in the middle of the night, often drunk or high. In a particular hilarious incident, he called me while getting pounded by another guy to let me know that he was getting pounded by another guy. He would also often pass by my house, sending me messages like, I see your mom still drives the same car. One time, he refused to leave until I came down and told him that I was done with him. I threatened to call the cops, which pissed him off. I eventually just blocked him everywhere I possibly could, and I started dating again three months after our breakup. Her name was Emma. Tate somehow found out who I was dating and sent her fake screenshots of text messages that implied that I still loved him and wanted him back in an attempt to sabotage my new relationship. Lucky for me, Emma had a brain, and quickly caught onto to the fact that he was bullshitting her. Since I blocked him everywhere, he ended up messaging a friend of mine. He said that he's been stalking me, and was threatening to kill her. I called the cops, but they just told me that they couldn't do much as long as it was nothing but messages on the internet. Emma is still alive and well, so it was all empty threats but it was certainly enough for me to be terrified to leave the house for a few months. Emma and I eventually broke up. Once again, Tate somehow found out about that and decided to use the opportunity of me being single. Mind you, Emma and I had dated over two years, so Tate and I's breakup was more than two and a half years ago. I also found out later that he had a girlfriend and a son. He turned up on my doorstep at five o'clock in the morning He messaged me from a new profile and demanded me to come downstairs to say goodbye because he was moving to L.A. I'm from Europe, so not only would he need a visa, which requires a lot of money and can take several years to be approved, his English skills were also practically non-existent. He stood in front of my door, looking up at my window, smiling and waving. I told him to piss off or I was calling the cops. After which, he went on a long rant about what a whore I was, and how no one trusts him, and really a lot of nonsense. I blocked the new profile, and when I dared to take another look out the window 30 minutes later, he was gone. I really don't want to know what would have happened if I'd gone outside that day. That was three years ago, and I honestly thought that would be it. After all, our breakup happened almost six years ago now. A few months ago though. Alright, backstory needed. I fell in love with someone online. He lives in America. We got married and I moved to America. I decided to clean up my block list on Facebook. It had been such a long time. I didn't think much of it when I unblocked him. After all, I was married and lived halfway across the planet now. Not one month after I unblocked him, He messaged me in the dead of night, which would have been the same time in the morning for him. Hey, I was just about to stop by when I remembered that you live 5,000 miles away now. How's it going? I straight up have no idea how he knows I moved to America. Profile on Facebook is set to private. I had a mild anxiety attack even though I knew he literally couldn't touch me. I don't want to talk to you, was my response. Are you sure? I'd like to know how it's going with your husband, and how is America? I replied, yes, I'm sure. I don't want to tell you about me, or my husband, or my life in America. I'm done with you. I've been done with you. Just leave me alone. His response was a one-minute-long voice message. I didn't listen to it because I didn't want to hear his voice. Instead, I forwarded it to a friend who listened to it for me. According to her, there was a lot of rambling, He apologized for the voice message, saying his cab driver had punched him, which leads me to believe that he was either drunk or high, again, and how he still likes me, and that he would love to stay in contact, and if I wanted someone to talk to, he'd be there. The rest was unintelligible, as there were sirens in the background. I never replied. Instead, I blocked him, again. Every time something like this happens, I think it's the last time, at this point, it feels like I'll never fully get rid of him. My best friend and I, both female, and 16 and 17 at the time, went to the mall near her house and were walking around the normal stores we would check out. We saw this cute guy, 18 to 19, but I didn't know how to approach him since we were social outcasts he must have noticed because he came to talk to us. After a month or so, I started dating him for about five months or so, and I'm introduced to pot and mushrooms. A few weeks to a month into the relationship, he tells me about a girlfriend he had back in Tennessee that cheated on him when he moved down south. He told me that he knew the Mexican mafia and, in great detail, how he wanted to kidnap both his ex and the guy she cheated on him with, and their families, and slowly torture and kill them. I thought he was joking until he got into lengthy details of injecting acid into veins, violent beatings, and body disposal. My parents picked me up after that. Not telling them what I learned, I just silently cried in the back of the car. He shows me his sword and knife collection shortly before I joined a D&D group that hosts at a store in the mall I live next to. After I join, he becomes very upset and jealous and went as far as showing up during a session I was not present for and threatened him with some of his knives. I, of course, apologized to my group since I knew every one of them from my friend group at school. Not much later, he thinks that I'm pregnant and shows me a case from the FBI that included black gloves and weighted knuckles just in case he needed to force a miscarriage by beating me. I went to my best friend's house since she lived down the street. Her entire household of maybe 12 or so was waiting for me outside and her stepbrothers had the guns ready. We talked him down. And he just took me to get the morning after pill. I don't remember what caused this, but at some point I sent him a lengthy message of, I'm sorry. And he made me bow to him the next time I saw him and say it as many times as I wrote it. He also threw something I gave him in the street I kept running after it, picking it up, running back to me just to throw it. I used to take the light rail every weekend to see him since it was right next to my school and it right down the street from him. He once fell asleep when I was riding it and wouldn't answer his home phone or cell phone. I had to walk like two or three miles in the Arizona sun during midsummer to get to him since he was closer than my friend. After that I started going to his house less and hanging out with my friends closer to home. He called me one day when I was hanging out with someone who shared the name with one of my D&D mates and he blew up. We basically ended our relationship over the phone and I hung up on him. I refused to answer his calls as well. He wound up apologizing and attempted to win me back. I refused and he started threatening driving into my house. I don't remember having any physical or visual interactions with him since. I don't think I would have been able to leave him if we didn't have that fight over the phone. I'm terrified of what would have happened if I managed to try to break up with him in person, or worse, if we had gotten married, which he mentioned while trying to win me back that he was gonna ask me to marry him. I had another piece of shit boyfriend a few years later for about a year and it caused additional mental trauma I don't want to go into too much detail really, but he would make me watch him punch himself in the middle of the head or bang his head against the wall. It was as if he was punishing someone else with how much he put into it. Both of these men could have easily done something terribly worse if their relationships had not ended. I refused to date anyone 5 years after that relationship. I wanted someone to connect with me and didn't change after we started getting physical my boyfriend of the last two and a half years is aware of some of these details and is very understanding as to why i shut down during certain situations he's been trying to help me open up to him since i only ever had one other normal relationship and hadn't had another person care for my feelings and opinions for a long time he can tell when something's wrong and will keep asking me until i tell him since he knows i'll still shut down but I want to open up to him In the time i've been with him i found myself crying with him beside me because i can't believe i found someone so sweet to me it happened quite often at first the crying that is but it's since slowed down still happens though he's been with me through so much i had this boyfriend who would get really mean during sex he would choke me harder sometimes out of nowhere and give me this weird look. He explained it to me as having multiple personalities and one of them was a woman in his head who he was dating who was jealous of me and wants to kill me and she comes out during sex and he's always arguing with her. I honestly tried to be there for him but I was like 16 and now that I'm an adult looking back this doesn't sound right. I remember after a small argument, he would sit in the corner holding his legs, shaking back and forth, catatonic, for literally hours. But he really wasn't catatonic because if someone else would step into the room, he would suddenly snap out of it. He was as normal and charming as he could be in public and around his friends. This stuff would only happen when we were home alone. He would even write me letters in different handwriting and they'd either be nice or mean, wanting to get rid of me. He's happily married now, I never heard of anyone else seeing him do this shit. This happened about nine years ago. I was living with a roommate at the time in a townhouse in a suburb of Denver. My boyfriend at the time had always been kind of abusive, with the occasional slap or pinning me down on the floor. But after a family member that he was close with committed suicide, he really lost it. My ex, Pierce, just lost it in the middle of an argument one day, about a week after the funeral, and threw me on the ground, punching my arm over and over. There was a giant bruise on one of my shoulders and a handprint-shaped bruise on the other. My face ended up being swollen and I had a bloody lip. My roommate called the police and he ended up being arrested. A no contact order put in place. He was also ordered to go to counseling and maybe even drug and alcohol meetings. Even though at the time he didn't use. Fast forward a few months. I'm living with this roommate because I was completely financially dependent on peers. My roommate took it upon herself to pay for me to get my GED. That woman was a saint. I just needed to throw that out there. A lot of my time was spent studying for the subjects. After everything, I was very agoraphobic, but I managed to forge some online friendships and maybe even something more with a generally kind guy. One day, Pierce's grandmother stopped by to take me to pay my phone bill. She lived close by in the same townhouse complex and was more or less right behind where I lived. I remember it being the first beautiful and slightly warm day after a long winter, so I opened up all the blinds to let the sunlight in and left them open when I left. After paying my bill, Pierce started calling her. I wasn't too concerned, because I knew he was supposed to be at his court-mandated counseling shortly. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but his grandmother told him that we just had to stop by at McDonald's. Again, not an issue at this point. I eat my Big Mac or whatever, until maybe three minutes later, Pierce calls again. His grandmother tells him that she's probably going to be home in about ten minutes. The call ends. I finish my food and we leave. Again, in the car, about two minutes away from where I live, Pierce calls again. I still can't hear his side of the conversation, but his grandmother tells him the intersection we just passed, and suddenly, I have this terrible sinking feeling in my stomach. I know something's wrong, but I can't identify what. But I know in my heart of hearts that something was very wrong. I consider asking his grandmother for help, but for context, His grandmother, on multiple occasions, watched Pierce hit me or try to strangle me and openly expressed disgust at how I can't help but piss him off. The same lady that knew her daughter, Pierce's mother, broke Pierce's nose when he was six because he saw his mother flip off someone and copied her and did nothing to intervene or let her know that that wasn't okay. The family member Pierce was mourning for often told him that he was a fuck-up and was probably the most verbally and emotionally abusive person I've ever witnessed in real life, or movie, book, whatever. So this family's just super fucked, and abusive, to other people, to each other, so I'm completely alone in this situation. Anyway, his grandmother pulls up in front of where I live, and I notice that all the blinds I had opened are now closed. We go inside, and once she leaves, I walk upstairs to my room and see a random word document open on my computer. Pierce had written a whole page worth of shit, but I only pay attention to the words that are written on the top. I read your emails. Immediately, I know that he had seen the emails between me and the guy I met. Even though they weren't outright sexual or flirty, you could kind of tell there was something there. My brain stopped reading at this point, and I figured out that he's still in the building, Because there's a no-contact order, I know he would have came in through the back door, so no one would see him. So my mind latches onto the idea that if the back door is locked, he's probably gone. I run downstairs to the door, and I see that it's locked, but as soon as I reach the door, I hear the closet sliding open from the room I was just in. Loud angry footsteps, and he's yelling my name. I know this may sound weird, but I can't recall exact details. I remember his face in mine before I could understand what was happening. I remember being back in that room again. I think they go through all my emails with him. I remember him slapping me hard in the face over and over until I got dizzy. I remember somehow convincing him to let me use my phone to respond to one of my roommate's texts. I don't remember what I said, but I remember that she called right away. Pierce was standing two feet away from me and looking at me, believing that he was going to kill me and my roommate asking me, Are you safe? I said, No. She told me that she was on her way and that she would be there as fast as she could. Eventually, Pierce became convinced that I had called the police and with a knife in his hand told me that if they were coming anyway that he might as well give me what I deserve. I managed to convince him that I hadn't called the police and then he started crying about how terrible of a person he was and threatened to kill himself with the knife. So with a handprint on my swollen face I reasoned with him telling him that he wasn't terrible and to please not hurt himself all the time until my roommate came home. Insane ex-boyfriend, I've moved states, had my name changed, and only feel safe in buildings and big cities where I'm at least three stories up. Let's not meet ever again. Just want to start off by saying that the story occurs over a couple of years It's been a long time, and it's really hard for me to type this out because it makes me feel very anxious to this day. Some of the time frames are a bit cloudy for me. When I was 15 or so, my mother reconnected with an old crush of hers from her junior high school days, Wayne. Soon after, they started dating. At the time, I thought it was pretty cool because I actually went to school with his son, same grade as I was, Brandon. He had two other kids as well, both younger. James and Allie, I didn't actually see Wayne very much in the beginning, as he and my mom would often go out or hang out at his place. One night, I got a call from him sometime close to Christmas, asking what I would like for a gift, which I thought was strange because I barely knew the guy, but I just assumed that he was trying to get on my mom's good side, so whatever. He started coming around more, and I remember just something about him sent alarm bells off in my head like you wouldn't believe. He just gave me the freaking heebie-jeebies. Wayne moved in very soon into their relationship, and I just chalked up my uneasy feelings about him to him and my mom moving too fast in their relationship. Fast forward some time. My mom was working at a liquor store, and I was home alone with Wayne. I can't remember what this was over, but we got into a heated argument. I was young and full of teenage angst, so who knows. Next thing I know, he headbutts me. And I was so shocked, I didn't know how to deal. I told my mom, but nothing happened. Eventually, he managed to convince my mom to quit her job because he could financially support us. She also had back and knee issues, so she agreed. Then shit started to get fucking weird. I suddenly got a peeping Tom, who would peer into my windows late at night in the summer. I would notice because I saw someone, or my neighbor would see someone. At one point, someone saw him taking pictures outside my bedroom. Not sure if I was home or not. The police were called, but of course, they can't do anything if they can't actually catch the guy. I was terrified. I'm so uneasy sleeping if windows are low. Wayne took action and convinced that he could take care of the family. Such a hero. He convinced my mom to get a security system, which cost a fortune, and that had to be paid monthly. He convinced my mom to get a dog, Coda, to keep us safe. Turns out, Wayne had hired people to look into my window. In the winter, I could see footsteps all the time that led to my window. I didn't learn that it was him until much, much later. I'm not even sure how we found out. He started getting physically abusive with my mom, me, and worst of all, poor little Coda. I would just hold her and cry because I felt so bad for her. We felt totally trapped financially and felt scared of whoever this dude was peering into the windows at night. We were scared. We were absolutely fucking terrified. One night, Wayne didn't come home. My mom called him over and over and over and he wouldn't answer his phone. When he did arrive home in the wee hours of the morning, his clothes were ripped. He was dirty as hell, covered in blood. Wayne claimed that he was mugged. Not long after this incident, Homicide detectives show up at my house. When they did, he pushed me away and tells me that he will speak to them in private. When he returned, he comes up with a story about how it had to do with a neighbor of ours going missing and that they were just going door to door looking for any information and that they wouldn't be returning so there's no need to worry. A couple weeks after this, a truck was found abandoned and they found a body. There was a murder. The accused was a neighbor of mine Honestly, it's never been proven, but there's no doubt in my mind that Wayne had something to do with it. Ah, and here's where we learn that Wayne has a crack addiction. He was a huge dude. You'd never guess by looking at him that he had an addiction to drugs. Hence, why it took us so long to figure out. It all came to a head one night. He and my mother started to argue. I heard banging come from the bedroom and I went in running to save my mom. I found my mother huddled in the corner in their tiny-ass bathroom and him on top of her, beating her. I screamed and grabbed at him, begging him to stop. He then turned on me, grabbing me by the neck, pushing me up against the wall by my neck, and punched the wall directly beside my face. He let me go, and I went running. He had purchased an old-timey battle axe that happened to be sharpened, and it hung on our wall. He grabbed it and started chasing us with the axe, I thought we were gonna fucking die. Now, just a note, my mother tried calling the police when they first started arguing, but they didn't come. As he was chasing us with the ax, I had dialed 911 on my phone. I was screaming, begging for them to come. In this whole mess, I don't know how he stopped or why, but he just left. Once the cops got there, he was already gone. He did eventually get caught and charged. We, of course, were summoned to testify in court. My poor mom was too scared to testify, so she refused. We still had to go to court, though. We saw him in the courthouse, and he gave my mom the most sinister fucking grin I've ever seen. He was pleased with himself. He felt no remorse. So, honestly, Wayne, I hope I am never so unlucky that I have to see you again. This story is about my dad's ex-girlfriend. My dad has horrible luck with women. He's like a crazy magnet. Every woman he has dated, except for his current girlfriend, have been abusive both mentally and physically. This list includes my mother. But this story is about his last girlfriend, Mary. She has gone from stalking not only him, but me, my husband, and our daughter too. They met at a Christmas party and hit it off He had just gotten out of a bad relationship with a different woman that he had been on and off with for three years. She was the classic narcissist type. Well, Mary seemed different. She claimed she was also just getting out of an abusive relationship. They went out for a few months, but she never let my dad over to her place. He didn't find it weird at all until he received a call from a man who said Mary was his wife and wanted to know how my dad knew her. At first, my dad thought the guy was her ex, still trying to control her, but things started to add up. He finally confronted Mary, and she gave him a sob story about how her ex refused to sign the papers, but they were separated. My dad did a bit of digging, and even talked to Mary's parents at one point. He found out that not only was Mary definitely still married, but she wasn't separated from her husband. As far as everyone in her life knew, she was happily married. Needless to say, he broke up with her. She lost it, started showing up at his work, calling in the middle of the night, texting him 50 times a day, all that good stuff. My dad moved states twice and changed his number several times to try to get away from her, but she always found him. Love letters would arrive in the mail or she would call him and say that she was coming to see him. Then she found my phone number. Probably sometime after my dad moved in with me, she started texting me almost as much as him. Once I married my husband and had my daughter, she really went all out, sending me presents for her new granddaughter, always wanting updates, and even sent back the packages unopened or donated the items that she had sent directly to me from the shops. Everything finally came to a head when she arrived at my dad's doorstep while he was at work with a casserole for him. She gave it to his roommate and told him that it was because she noticed my dad was losing weight. He told my roommate to toss it. He didn't want to risk poison since he had just applied for a restraining order. One night, she showed up at my apartment while my husband worked the overnight shift. It was after 1am and she started knocking on my door. I was glad that I sent my toddler to my aunt and uncle's for the night. She left banana bread on my doorstep and we threw it out as soon as my husband got home. The next night, I again left my toddler with my aunt and uncle in case she came back. She did. I started getting texts from her as she pounded on my door. She wanted to see her grandbaby and have some girl time with me. It slowly turned into demands for me to open the door. I called the cops. While I was on the phone with dispatch, my neighbor came out, ready to take her on. He told her that cops were on their way, since his wife was already calling them. She disappeared real quick into the park across the street. The cops didn't catch her, but my dad's restraining order did get granted. We have since moved across the state, but she still texts me from time to time, wanting to know how my dad is, or what my daughter is up to. I have never answered but I do save all their texts just in case I need to get my own restraining order as well. This event requires a bit of backstory. In early 2014, my best friend Lily met a guy named Nathan at a club through one of her friends from her college. She and Nathan instantly hit it off and were officially dating within a few weeks. It only took a few months for Lily to fall head over heels for this guy. Before long, she was even telling me that she thought he was the one. I was happy for her, experiencing some good old college romance. It eventually led to her losing her virginity to this guy. I really had no opinions of this guy, aside from what I heard from Lily. From what I heard at first, he sounded like a nice guy who just had a lot of bad stuff happen to him. This guy had some serious baggage. He had a poor background and lived with his grandmother. I can't remember if he ever told Lily about his parents or not. He had a three-year-old son named Isaac, whose mother was a drug addict. Lily was in love with Nathan so much that she was willing to stick with him and help him with some of the drama. In spite of hearing so much about him, they only met him twice. Once when he picked up Lily from work, we work at the same place, and the second when, I'll get to that. However, things first went downhill when Nathan broke up with Lily in September. He had recently become a rookie police officer and was moving to another city for more training. He said he would come back for her. Still, Lily was devastated by this. But unexpectedly, he was back in town within a month. This whole episode fell off to me. Lily and Nathan tried to start things up again, and things were starting to look up for the couple. That is until Christmas rolled around. In something straight out of a soap opera, Lily broke up with Nathan on Christmas after finding some damning information about him. After he broke up with Lily in September, he apparently went and slept with one of his cousins and got her pregnant. His cousin later had a miscarriage, and to add to that, Nathan revealed that he had both chlamydia and genital herpes. He knew he had both of these, yet purposely didn't tell Lily in order to have lots of unprotected sex with her. Lily got herself tested. While she didn't contact chlamydia, she tested positive for genital herpes. As expected, she was devastated by this and went through a brief period of depression. It quickly became apparent that Nathan was not the type of person Lily thought he was. He was sexist, a womanizer, a cheat, and a liar. He had sex with multiple women and, just like Lily, he kept the information about his STDs a secret. He even tried to turn all his friends against Lily, saying that she broke up with him and even tried to drive apart Lily and Yasmina, the fiancé of one of Nathan's cousins who was now close friends with Lily. Lily didn't stand for this and made sure the truth was known. She talked to Yasmina and her fiancé about it and they eventually kicked Nathan out of their place. Word began spreading around Nathan's community about his wrongdoings and even his backup girlfriend broke up with him. It wasn't long before Lily was taking self-defense and gun classes. Nathan knew where she lived and obviously had some weapons training due to being a rookie police officer, a job he soon lost. She often told me that she was somewhat afraid of him, and mostly she was furious. If he ever tried to hurt her, I'm sure she would have blown his brains out. Anyway, my second and final encounter with Nathan was at the tail end of this drama earlier this year. My first encounter with Nathan had been brief, but afterwards, Lily had told me that Nathan had been initially jealous of me due to the fact that I was a close guy friend. We were friends since toddlers. While our first encounter was brief and under friendly terms, our second encounter was far from that. I had a morning shift at work that day and had just ended my shift. It was early in the afternoon, so I was hurrying up to my car to get out of the heat. As I walked to my car, I quickly noticed Nathan leaning against the car a few rows away. As you'd expect, I was furious upon seeing him, given all the crap he had caused my friend. I assumed that he was waiting for Lily or something. I only chuckled because Lily was on family vacation in Montana at the time. I decided not to confront him. I was always keen on listening to Lily and gave him my two cents but, for the most part, I had been successful at staying away from the drama. Suddenly, Nathan turned in my direction and immediately stood up completely. He tapped on his car and, who I assumed was a friend of his, stepped out. They began to power walk in my direction. Wasting no time, I jumped in my car, start the ignition, and pulled out of my parking spot. As I did, I heard a loud knock on the back of my car. I looked in the rearview mirror to see Nathan punching the back window in some attempt to stop me. I kept going. I was almost out of the parking lot when I looked in my rearview mirror again to see his car speeding in my direction. I sped out of the parking lot with him right on my tail. He continued to follow me for several streets. There was no way I was heading home with him following. I ended up taking the craziest detour in my life, pulling on and off feeders driving through parking lots, driving circles in neighborhoods. I did it all. Eventually, after about 25 minutes of me driving, I lost him. I drove around a little while afterwards in order to make sure I had officially lost him. When I got home, I called Lily and told her everything. She thought about calling the police, but before we could decide on whether or not to do that, Lily got a call from Yasmina, who had been spying on Nathan for Lily for quite some time. We learned that Nathan had apparently packed up all his stuff from where he was living and had taken off. He was gone, to where, I don't know. I had rumors of him wanting to go to New York City and Mexico, but those were the only possibilities I remember. All that matters is that he's now officially out of Lily's life. I'm not sure what would have happened if he caught me that day. Lily's guess is that Nathan might have been trying to hurt me in order to get back at her, I'm glad I was a good enough driver to lose him. Otherwise, I don't want to think about what he could have done to me. This is going to be a bit long, so I had this best friend in high school named Lena. We were friends for about a year and a half, and we would spend almost every weekend at our house, listening to music, watching scary movies, and gossiping. She was just a little bit crazy. The type of girl to beat up her boyfriend's exes, unprovoked she actually did that once, and catfish people. I say we were best friends, but actually it was more like I looked up to her and she liked that she could boss me around and hang out with me whenever she pleased. She was extremely manipulative and two-faced. She had a hobby of being nice to girls at school, then going on their social medias and making fun of everything they posted. She would befriend people just to get information from them. When we were friends, Lena was dating this guy named Nolan. They dated for about a year and a half and had lots of troubles for the last six months or so. He would go out drinking most weekends and she would cry in the middle of the night and blow up his phone, yelling at him and making him feel guilty. She was borderline psychotic when it came to his exes or girls that he was friends with and they just weren't really working out but they stayed together anyway. At some point, Nolan got Lena pregnant. At the same time, one of Lena's friends, whose name was Autumn, became pregnant from the guy I was in love with. Naturally, I wanted nothing to do with Autumn, but because they we were both pregnant together, Lena started hanging out with Autumn most weekends and neglected our friendship. After about a month, I became fed up with it and started ghosting her. At first, she tried to apologize, but I was not having it. Since the other girl was dating the guy I had been in love with for two years and I was jealous and childish. So eventually, Lena got pissed at me and stopped trying. A few months went by and Lena had the baby. Nolan and Lena stayed together to take care of their son but their relationship was absolutely horrendous at this point. She cheated on Nolan and he decided he wanted out of the relationship but continued to see his son and buy things for him. However, Lena and Lena's mother made things very difficult for him by constantly changing the days he could see his son and refusing to let him take his son anywhere besides Lena's house. Lena's mother would also throw out Christmas presents from Nolan, ignore his phone calls, and eventually told him he wasn't allowed at her house. Nolan begged for months to see his son, but it was clear that Lena and her mother didn't want him in the picture. He offered to pay child support, but they didn't want that either. They just wanted him gone so he stopped trying. Apparently, even that wasn't what they wanted. Lena took to social media to talk about how Nolan was a deadbeat. She told everyone that she knew that being a single mother was really hard and that the baby daddy refused to take care of his kid. A year after they broke up, I met Nolan in person. We had been talking online for a couple months about Lena. We had shared stories about her crazy meltdowns and her manipulative tendencies and we talked about the time that he came to her house while I was there, and attempted to scare her by jumping out when she went out the front door, but instead accidentally jumped out at me. He thought that was the funniest thing ever, that my face stayed stone cold, and I just said, sup. We had a similar sense of humor, and at the time, I had no one. I had just come out of one of the worst depressive episodes of my life. It had lasted for a good year, and I had dropped out of high school, been doing drugs, isolating myself for weeks at a time, and considering suicide. He was the one to help bring me back from the brink. He was kind, and he was my support system. We were just friends at first. When Lena caught wind of our friendship, she reached out to me. At this point, we hadn't been friends for a year and a half. We caught up and talked about what had been happening in our lives. She asked me what was going on with Nolan, and I told her that we were just friends. Everything seemed fine. That's when her erratic behavior started. She randomly blocked me on social media, then unblocked me a month or two later. Sometimes we would talk, like, how are you? Everything good? And the next day, I'm blocked. At one point, I asked one of her friends to get her to tell me why she was doing it, because I was so confused. So she unblocked me and told me that she was salty about the situation with Nolan and the fact that I was friendly with him. I asked her why she keeps making up with me and then suddenly gets pissed off again and cuts me off. I told her I'm tired of thinking things were good only to turn around and pretend like we never said anything to each other. That's when she said she could block me again or keep me unblocked, whatever I wanted was fine. But she felt I had done her wrong by abandoning her during her pregnancy and befriending her ex-boyfriend. I tried to explain to her that Nolan was my friend I tried to tell her that no one was all I had in my darkest time of my life. I tried to tell her why her neglecting me for Autumn hurt my feelings, but she wasn't having it. I understand where she was coming from, I do, and I acknowledge the fact that I acted childishly and in a cruel way, but I tried to make up with her multiple times. I tried really hard, and she couldn't even stick with whether she forgave me or not, so I told her to block me again, and I was done with it. She told me she wouldn't block me again and that she gave me her blessing with Nolan. She said it was fine if we wanted to date and that she hoped that I had a good life and I said the same to her and I really meant it. We had a bad end but I was glad we could at least wish each other well. It was a few months after I last spoke to her that Nolan and I started dating. I had waited so long because I was worried about Lena even though we weren't friends anymore. But she had given me her blessing, and she was dating someone else new, so I went with it. It was around this time that I received a friend request from a girl on Facebook named Casey. Casey said she lived in the big city in my state, and since we had mutual friends, and I had gone to school in that city, I assumed that we had gone to school together, and I just didn't remember her. She seemed like a real person. She claimed to work at Hooters, had made posts about how her workday went, had several pictures of the same girl, made frequent posts about her ex-boyfriend. I accepted the friend request, and she messaged me telling me how pretty she thought I was. I thanked her and told her to message me anytime she wanted to chat. For the next few months, I was clueless. I went about my regular life, posting about the things Nolan and I did, getting my GED, hanging out with friends, visiting my mother, etc., Occasionally, I would see strange posts on my timeline from Casey, but didn't think much of it because I had over 1,000 friends on Facebook, and I rarely saw them. They were mostly posts about how much she hated her baby daddy, and how her line of work sucked. But there were two posts in particular that caught my eye. One was a post that seemed to be referencing something I had posted the day before. Another one was of her saying, We all know a dirty whore named, with my first name in the blank. So I went through her profile, then clicked through months and months of posts. Some were about her line of work. Everything else was related to me and Nolan. Everything. There were posts of her complaining about her deadbeat baby daddy buying things for everyone but his kid. Posts about how sad she felt about the breakup. Posts about how she missed me and thought of me as a sister, which is bullshit and I'll explain why later. Posts about how I stole her boyfriend, also bullshit. She made fun of my hobbies, had directly referenced some of my posts, talked about how much she hated me, said I was a dirty hoe. She even had people in the comments egging her on and talking shit too, even though no one knew who she was talking about, but I did. She mentioned things that only the two of us knew. She referenced our past experiences. It was undoubtedly Lena. I messaged Casey and told her I knew she was Lena. She played dumb and told me that the initials were of another girl she knew. When I looked up the name she gave me, not a single person on Facebook had that name. When I told her that, she brushed it off and tried to get me to talk shit about Lena. So I played along and talked hardcore shit. I lied about a lot of things in an attempt to get her out of herself, but in the end, all she did was send screenshots of her conversation to Lena's account in an attempt to make it look like Casey was real and was trying to help Lena out by showing her what kind of person I was. Casey then immediately deleted her account. She didn't block me, she deleted it. I had a friend in my dad check and neither of them could find Casey's profile. So another month went by and I found out that she had reactivated the account and because I couldn't block a deleted account, she was in my friends list again and had access to my file for who knows how many days. So I blocked her. She then sent me a friend and follow requests on three different websites under Casey's name, which I also blocked. It was around this time that Nolan and I began to get a lot of friend requests from obviously fake accounts. We would often report them and block them and try to pretend that she wasn't going insane. One of these fake accounts was extremely obvious because it poked both me and Nolan on the same day at the same time. She was taunting us, I guess. I blocked that account, too. Please be aware that at this time, Lena was now married. She was doing this while married to someone else. A year later, I thought this all had stopped, and one day I went to the Casey account on my friend's Facebook because I wanted to see if she was still posting about me, and when I scrolled down, I realized I had missed a post last time. This post was Lena mocking the fact that my mother, yes, my birth mother, called her frequently to talk shit about me and give her information about me and Nolan. Turns out, my mother and Lena went to the same college, and my mother thought what better way to make friends than helping someone stalk her daughter. She'd ask me about mine and Nolan's relationship often. She'd talk shit about Lena and would act like the perfect mother to my face. She didn't raise me, so I didn't trust her 100%. For that reason, I never gave her my phone number, or address, or any other information that I felt was private. When my dog went missing, she tried to convince me to post my address on Facebook. She kept saying how important it was that people knew exactly where he went missing from. What horse shit! Thank God I didn't, cause I might have woken up to Lena punching me in the head, or worse. For a while there, I was legitimately paranoid. Every time I went to the store or outside, I was watching my surroundings closely. If Lena was willing to beat the shit out of a girl Nolan had dated for three weeks, unprovoked, What would she do to me now if she saw me in public? Would she kill me? I never met someone so obsessed. Let me just say that Lena was a horrible friend. She was bossy, judgmental, rude, erratic, narcissistic, and two-faced. When I felt my first heartbreak, she spent all night talking shit about the guy, saying I deserved better. Eventually I talked shit with her to make myself feel better. And what does she do? She messages him on Facebook and tells him everything I said about him. She guilt tripped me about having other friends. She convinced me to abandon one of my friends just because she didn't approve of her. She would ignore me when there were other people around. If I complained about anyone, she would go tell that person what I said even if she said something worse about them. She would go through people's Facebook and laugh at them and talk about how dorky they are. She would make me feel ridiculous for liking the things I did, and I never felt like I could be myself around her. It amazes me how many people Lena has manipulated. Even her poor husband probably doesn't know that she's a stalker. So yeah, there you have it. Lena cyberstalked me for two years and if I had given my mother my address, it might have become actual stalking. She hasn't been trying to stalk me for a while now. I cut my mother off and deleted about 40 people off my Facebook and made all my social media accounts private to keep this from happening again. I'm hoping I won't ever hear from Lena again. The last obvious sign I had gotten of her still trying to stalk me is a fake account she requested me on about three months ago, an account that was actually a few months old had the same last name as my friend and only like two facebook pages of which was a grocery store and the other was my page anyways if you finished this sorry for such a long story i was young when all this stuff happened and it made some really dumb choices so go easy on me please i know i'm not 100 percent faultless in this and yes me and nolan are still together and we'll be celebrating our fourth year anniversary in a couple months